Guys, this week we're talking about the Satanic Illuminati and their agenda of mind control and population control through vaccines. Have you ever wondered, man, why am I not in control all the time? Why are my thoughts never my own? Why is there less and less people every time I turn around? Like, I don't remember the last time I was in a traffic jam or waited in a line at Walmart. I don't remember. I There's less and less people every time I turn around. And most of the time, I can't even turn around because the mind control won't let me. And it's all because of the satanic Illuminati, which I feel the need to distinguish from lesser-known Christian Illuminati, also lesser-known Muslim Illuminati, and the even lesser, lesser-known Buddhist Illuminati. Now, the satanic Illuminati... They're here to rule the world, people. They are here to control all of us. And how are they doing it? Vaccines! Mind control, population control, all by eradicating, debilitating, and terrible diseases. This satanic Illuminati is going to take over the world through general health and well-being. People, we should be scared. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on Carpool Chemistry. How vaccines are not scary and how if you have just a shred of common sense and a little bit of medical knowledge, vaccines make perfect sense. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I hope I didn't weird you out too much. What's up all and welcome back to this episode of Carpool Chemistry on Vaccines. The wonderful invention that has literally saved millions upon millions of lives. Now, um, before we get into it, I want to issue a sincere apology. It's been quite a while since uh, Keto Part 1, the last episode, and I am definitely to blame um, so part of what happened was that, uh, I was trying, it's trying, trying to plan around a co-host is really hard. Um, so this episode will probably be coming out before keto two, um, keto part two, it's keto part two is almost done. Uh, but we have a little bit more to do and we've been trying to do it in increments just with our spare time that we have. And so the scheduling is hard and also like when we're both recording we have our son Bridger and uh, it can get kind of difficult so uh, yeah I'm I'm gonna be better that's my New Year's resolution today's New Year's that I'm recording this um, to be a lot better than I have been uh, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna be perfect but I'm definitely gonna try to be better I uh, I have orals coming up this year, so later in the year it might get a little bit hectic, um, and that's partly why I uh, took a little bit of a break too, is that my research got kind of crazy and I needed to uh, focus on that for a minute. So, I'm going to be pumping these out as fast as I can. So, with that, here's a brief overview 
of the truth we are going to be spitting today. Uh, first off, we're going to have to explain briefly how our immune system even works and why it's important to know this background when we're talking about vaccines. Because a lack of understanding of your immune system is what leads to the wackadoodles and moron slash dipshits we will discuss later. Um, with the background of an immune system, we can then begin to talk a little bit about the history of vaccines and how we got to where we are now. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk types of vaccines and what they actually are. We'll also talk about what they're made of and the safety of those ingredients. Um, we're going to discuss effectiveness and efficacy and how well do vaccines work. Are the benefits worth the hassle and the prick? And finally, what I'm really excited for, what you're probably excited for, we're going to be talking about the controversy, the conspiracy, the myths behind vaccines. It's been a hot topic lately. Um, I thought, I mean, you'd think we're in 2019 now. You would think that we'd all be like, yeah, vaccines are good. You should do those if you can. Um, but lately on my social media feeds, I've been seeing so many anti-vax stuff and it just, it just floors me. I seriously want to just go around and headbutt as many of them as I can. Um, and also the people are like, well, well, I'll talk, I'll talk about it later. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So, uh, we're going to talk about it. What does the mouth breathing public have to say about vaccines? Um, so with that, let's get at it. So, like I said, we're going to start out by talking, giving some background on our immune systems, how the human body uh, fights illnesses. Um, there's two different sections of our immune system. There's the innate, and, and I do want to say, guys, these, even though these are two separate, they, they overlap some, and they, they work together as to... to to try to keep us healthy. So, the older, more uh, evolutionarily ancient part is the innate immune, immune system, okay? Um, and this is like inflammatory response, physical barriers, um, things like that. So, this is, this is our body doing everything it can to prevent an infection by just trying to keep everything out. So that's like your skin, your like we sweat, your mucous membranes, things like that. Those are trying to keep things out of us. And there's also a uh, very non-specific response that has to do with a bunch of different cells, and they uh, they basically just react to foreign particles and just kind of you know. Full-scale attack, there we go. Whereas adaptive immunity is, a, like, they also call it acquired immunity. Where after you've had this initial innate response, the body tries to learn so that it can be quicker the next time. And not uh, use so much resources 
and not cause so much damage to the body. Uh, so the adaptive immunity uses things called antibodies for memory. Um, and uh, in both of these immune systems, there's like 21 different types of cells and they're all interacting like it's super, super complex and confusing, but I'm going to try to simplify it just so we can understand. So innate immune system, that's our non-specific one. It's just going to be reacting to anything that's foreign in the body. Now, so adaptive immunity, we have two major players. Uh, we have B cells and T cells and a lot of their derivatives. Okay. You have these B cells that come from our bone marrow. I bet you, you probably, I mean, you, some of you might've, but uh, our a lot of our immune system comes from our bone marrow. That's why people that get like leukemia or have uh, have chemotherapy and, and it's killing those fastly reproducing cells. That's why they have low immune systems is because it it hurts their bone marrow. Okay, so uh, yeah, B cells made in the bone marrow and then you have T cells that are made in our thymus, which is a gland that we have in our body. Okay, so these B cells they produce are these antibodies. They're these little proteins and they all have these um, different, slightly different makeups that are, that can attach to pretty much, uh, they can only attach to one thing, but there's so many different of them that anything that's foreign in the body, there's an antibody that can react with it and, and uh, hold on to it. And uh, our body does that by rearranging some genes in our B cells so that we can produce all these different uh, kinds of antibodies. And so these B cells, they each B cell produces one kind of antibody. They, you know, they go around if they latch onto something like maybe it's a bacterial protein. And so that interacts with the antibody. It then uh, goes through a series of reactions where that antibody uh, gets remembered and that B cell survives. If a B cell makes an antibody that doesn't uh, interact with anything, that B cell dies and that way we're not just wasting things, okay? So uh, this antibody that survives, uh, it gets remembered in what's called a memory cell and then the next time that same bacterial protein is present, that same bacterial infection happens, that B cell is floating around and it gets remembered. Okay, so it interacts with that bacterial protein again. Um, the dendritic cells, it would interact with it, it ingest it. The dendritic cell would migrate to what's your lymph nodes. That's why your lymph nodes swell up when you get sick. Okay, because your lymph system is very, it has a lot to do with your immune system. Okay, and uh, it's also going to start producing chemokines and cytokines. Okay, and it's going to present to your T helper cell and your CD4. And then you're going to start splitting off into these different T cells. And eventually you're going to have an immune response that makes it so you like when you get sick with something for the first time and your innate immune system has to take care of it, 
you, that's when you feel like you're getting sick. That's why you're getting a fever. It's all part of the innate immune responses is that you feeling sick. Adaptive immunity, especially like you, you may not even know that you had an infection because it works so fast. Okay. And that all happens because a little piece of a protein or a toxin, your body remembered that with antibodies. So very important when we're talking about vaccines. That's kind of how they, uh, they work. And when your body remembers these foreign proteins or, or foreign toxins or whatever, and is able to use this adaptive immune system, it's called, you're, you're immune, you're immunized. Sorry, I almost messed it up. Immunized, okay? So your body has a memory of that specific pathogen. And that's, like I said, we're going to talk about vaccines and how that plays in. So now that we have a little bit of a background on uh, our immune system, let's talk about how uh, immune stuff used to happen. So uh, before vaccines, people still got sick. They actually uh, got sick a lot. That's the whole reason why... Uh, People died all the time and really, like, life expectancy for people wasn't very, uh, wasn't very good until modern medicine and vaccines and antibiotics came around. So, the way people used to do it, people noticed that once you got an illness, that if you survived it, which was, you know, kind of not as likely, uh, you were immune to it the second time around. So, what they would do is called variolation. So, there's variolation and then there's vaccination. And both of these words come from the name of the original uh, vaccine, which is variole vaccinae. So, variole, variole, it's, it's a family of viruses. And then vaccinae comes from uh, the Latin word for cow, so which is vaccinus, meaning of or from the cow. So, uh, in the tense, the earliest uh, known or or suspected variolation comes from the China in the tenth century, where uh, this is this is smallpox. They would take smallpox scabs, dry them up, crush them up, and uh, basically snort small smallpox scabs to kind of self-inoculate themselves, which is pretty freaking disgusting. Just, you know, imagine when you thought people actually doing drugs was bad. People were snorting people's scabs. Oh, my gosh. So, variolation is inoculating with the actual virus so um fast forward to the late 18th century 1796 i mean stuff started to come around people started to notice that uh 
people that got cowpox didn't get, like, were immune to smallpox. And Edward Jenner in 1796 notices this. He notices that dairy farmers were immune to smallpox. <clears throat> and now let's let's talk about smallpox a little bit. Why people wanted to talk about it. Uh, 20% of the population every year would die of smallpox. And like 60% of anybody uh, of a population would get smallpox. So it was very common and very common to die of smallpox. And this is in Europe, um, in, in England. So Edward Jenner, he, he notices that these dairy farmers are immune to it. And it's because they're getting this cowpox. And and they kind of uh, hypothesized that they were, were related. So Edward Jenner gets this idea that maybe if he inoculates another person with cowpox, that they won't get smallpox so you know in today's you know how it would take forever to get this done but in 1796 edward jenner just calls up his buddy and says hey i want to use your eight-year-old son uh james phipps so he scrapes the pus <laughs> this is gonna kind of get graphic just so you know he scrapes the pus from cowpox sores on milkmaid's hands that that had cowpox and so he scrapes his pus and then he takes it and he injects it into this eight-year-old james phipps um afterwards james gets sick like not he doesn't get smallpox sick but he gets sick you know he has a fever and is down for a little while so in about a six-week recovery um <laughs> Edward Jenner takes him and uh, injects him with actual smallpox. And uh, James Phipps didn't die. So uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> it's kind of just like, what the, what the hell, basically. You took an eight-year-old kid, you injected him with pus from some lady's hand, and then once he recovers from that infection, like that he he's immune to smallpox, you inject him with actual smallpox. Um so Edward Jenner's like, ah, oh, sweet, it worked. Um he, he injected James Phipps a couple times to make sure. Then he starts trying it on his own family, and he even did this to his own eleven month year old son, which uh you had to have a lot of faith or he was like, you know, praying super hard that uh, his 11-month-year-old son doesn't die of smallpox, who he just injected with smallpox. So he, he gives the 11... I mean, even... These are live viruses. Even, even injecting your 11-month-year-old son with cowpox that's not really dangerous... I mean, 11-month-year-old son, that's still dangerous. I don't know. Crazy. Late 18th century stuff was nuts, okay? Fast forward. Uh, so that's the first vaccine. That's the smallpox vaccine. Fast forward about 100 years. Louis Pasteur 
uh, in the 1880s, comes out with this second generation of vaccines uh, for chicken cholera and anthrax. Uh, both bacterial uh, infections, which is interesting. Well, because uh, smallpox is a virus. Most vaccines are for viruses. Um, so chicken cholera, anthrax, they're the second and third vaccines that are made. Then, so 1884 is cholera, 1885 uh, rabies, there's a vaccine for rabies, uh, 1890, tetanus, 90, 1896, typhoid fever, 97, bubonic plague. So think of just the, the, the deaths that could have been prevented just from that, uh, 1897 one, that bubonic plague that killed like it legitimately changed the genetics of the world because it killed so many people uh, during the, the Black Plague epidemics. Bubonic Plague is a Black Plague, if you didn't know. Caused by Yersinia, um, which is a bacteria. Now, the next one that comes about is in 1921, uh, the tuberculosis. 23, diphtheria. 24, scarlet fever. 26, so we're, I mean, we're starting to pump them out pretty consistently here. 26, pertussis. Um, 32, yellow fever, 45, the first influenza, uh, vaccine comes about, and then 52 and 62, there's, uh, what's called the Salk polio vaccine, and then 62 is the Sabin polio vaccine, they're, they're different, uh, types of vaccines, 63, uh, the measles, 67, mumps, 70, rubella, 74, chicken pox, so we got smallpox, chickenpox, cowpox. We're just going to go through all the animal pox. Um, 77, pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia. Uh, 80, uh, 19, in 1980, officially, smallpox gets eradicated. Like, it does not exist in the United States anymore. In 1981, Hep B comes out. 92, Hep A, so Hepatitis B, Hepatitis A. Uh, in 1998, Lyme disease and the rotavirus have vaccines. In 2006, human papillomavirus, which causes cancer, uh, that one gets a vaccine. Uh, then we get, uh, like, let's just jump forward to 2015, malaria, Ebola, and, and dengue get their uh their uh vaccines so and there's still some vaccines that we're still trying to create i mean obviously it'd be nice if we had a vaccine for everything um so herpes still needs it gonorrhea and then uh on this list there was hpv but hpv now has a vaccine so it wasn't a the ones that still need it wasn't completely up to date so that's kind of like where we're at now, where we're still we're still trying to create vaccines. Um, we've created vaccines for other animals, for livestock and things. I mean, you probably if you have a dog, you've given your dog the Parvo vaccine, which is like I don't know a good uh, analogy to Parvo to a human disease. But all grown up, I call it dog AIDS. Because, like, they get in and they just die. But that uh, could be considered a little 
insensitive to people that have AIDS. Um, but it, it's a deadly disease in dogs. And that's the thing that we have vaccine for. So it's not helping just people, it's helping dogs, things like that. So now, uh, that, like I said, that's a history of vaccines. Think of just, there's so many, probably billions of people that have been, their lives have been saved because of these vaccines. And the thing is, uh, people have been throwing fits about them for so long. Uh, so since we already kind of went over the background, we'll kind of go over how vaccines work. Well, yes, let's, let's go over types of vaccines. Um, there's one, two, three, four, five, it's basically six different types I'm going to go over. So the first type of vaccine is called an inactivated vaccine. So this uh, inactivated means that it has the dead but virulent organisms. So if we're talking smallpox, it's going to be a virulent smallpox that has been killed, where it's been boiled or, you know, however they kill it. They're killing the virus. Um, so it's the bad type, but it's dead. Things that they do inactivated, like vaccines that you get that are inactivated types are polio, hep A, rabies, and some of the influenza uh, <clears throat> strains. Sorry. Um, so all of those are virus. Now, if you listen to the antibiotic uh, resistance episode, you'll know why those are all viruses. Because we know now that if we were to kill a bacteria, another bacteria could pick up their uh, virulent plasmid or whatever, their DNA, and use that and then become virulent. So using inactivated bacteria, like dead bacteria, doesn't necessarily work. Uh, well, it doesn't work because of that, because it's called uh, horizontal gene transfer and they can uh, they can transform meaning they can take in foreign DNA and use it themselves so inactivated just viruses okay um, but it works really well in viruses the next type is called live attenuated and these are basically dead organisms so they're an organism that's either not it's either not violent or it's made so that it's missing a component of its genome or it's missing its uh, violence plasmid or or parts of it so that like I said this is a dead organism so it's it's not going to be pathogenic it's not going to be able to cause an infection um, or and and this is the same with viruses as well, where they'll take out chunks of it, or they they'll make it so that it's not producing the right type of uh, coating, so that it's not virulent. Um, and the vaccines that use this type are the vaccines for yellow fever, measles, mumps, and rubella, typhoid. I'm pretty sure that's well, the diphtheria is not in there, so it's not your uh, DTAP, but. Um, and this, this type isn't used on immunocompromised uh, 
individuals because uh, there's very small cases, but it, every once in a while there is a possibility that a bacteria or a virus could mutate and then become pathogenic. And uh, like you're given so small of amounts that it, it wouldn't it wouldn't affect a normal person, but somebody that's immunocompromised, it could cause an infection or things like that. So it's not given to immunocompromised. Uh, the next type is called toxoid. And this these are inactive toxic compounds produced by the organism. So um, lots of organisms, part of how they become pathogenic is they produce toxins that kill uh, either host cells or whatever. And that it allows them to, like they use those materials that are from the dead cells or, or the cells basically reprogram themselves to only serve the purpose of uh, the pathogen. So um, these take those compounds that these organisms produce and they inactivate them and then they uh, are in the vaccine. So um, vaccines that have, that are toxoid are tetanus, diphtheria, um, and this is actually how they, uh, vaccinate dogs against rattlesnake bites. Uh, they'll put some of inactivated rattlesnake venom in and allows them to be, uh, vaccinated against rattlesnake bites. Kind of interesting. Um, so yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll go over the next one and then we'll, uh, well, the next two and then we'll come back and we'll kind of talk about it. So, uh, the next one's called a protein subunit vaccine. Um, this is a part of a protein that a pathogen uses. Um, most of the time, it's going to be a surface protein because that's the one that your body's going to recognize when it comes into your body the next time. Um, ones like this are going to be HPV, Hep B, and the flu. So, uh, once again, that's, that's a protein subunit. So it's just taking part of a protein or a protein and allowing your body to see that instead of having to have the whole organism or, or the virus or whatever. So you can see that these, we've tried to make it so like we're, we're trying to capitalize on the adaptive immune system where the adaptive immune system uses antibodies to basically uh, recognize these small things like these toxins or these subunits. So by putting these in the vaccines, our body can make an antibody specific to those so when it sees it later, it can kill them. The last one uh, of the types of like main vaccines is called a conjugate vaccine. Um, where these are uh, sugar uh, protein mixes, so glycoprotein or, uh, yeah, glycoprotein. And these are signaling molecules that bacteria and, and uh, things use uh, to basically to, to recognize each other and to recognize things. So this is something that 
your body would be able to recognize very easy because it's sticking out of the bacteria or whatever. And then the last two types, they're not necessarily types, but they're, they're kind of um, words to help you understand what maybe your doctor's talking about when they uh, talk about vaccines. There's valence of vaccines. So if you've heard monovalent or uh, bivalent, trivalent, that means that's talking about how many strains are in it. So like I think the flu vaccine that you get every year is a quadvalent. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a quadvalent vaccine. So that means it has four different strains of the flu in it just so you can cover as many bases as you can. Um, and then there's heterotypic, um, which means that you're using, like this is uh, cow, uh, cowpox. We're using the cowpox virus to uh, vaccinate for the smallpox virus because they're so close we can use a much safer version of the virus or or something related to that virus uh, to vaccinate for a more deadly type. They also do that with uh, tuberculosis. They use BCG, which is uh, cow tuberculosis, to help with uh, human tuberculosis. So yeah, so those are the types of vaccines. What I'm going to talk about next is... Uh, what are called excipients or basically the ingredients that are in these vaccines. Now, if you're in the conspiracy theories and stuff, you've probably heard these, or if you've heard one of your, uh, your friends talk about, Oh, the, this, that's in vaccines. And, uh, it's, it's in there to control our minds or it's in there specifically to dumb down the, population or whatever like you know you just hear all sorts of stupid stuff so i'm gonna go over these things and we're gonna kind of explain them and why why they're in there um some of them aren't purposely put in there they're just in there because of how either the vaccine was made um and like they're trying to make they try to make vaccines as pure as possible but um 100% purity in some cases is just not realistic. So, uh, the first one, aluminum salts. So many people uh, think this is what is causing autism vaccines. Hint, or just heads up, vaccines don't cause autism. Um, and the aluminum in vaccines would not be it. Um... Aluminum, yes, is is actually like bad for your body, especially in high amounts. Um, but that's elemental aluminum. These are aluminum salts, and we, like I said, one of these days I'm gonna just have to do a basic chemistry episode um, so I can explain this. That these aluminum salts, they even though they have aluminum in them doesn't mean that it, aluminum is just, you know, running rampant wherever. Just like, um, so salt is made of sodium chloride, okay, it's a salt, meaning that it, uh, we'll get into that later. Anyways, 
sodium chloride. Sodium by itself, its elemental form ignites when it comes into contact with water. It legitimately, like, starts a fire. Chlorine, in its elemental form, is a poisonous gas. You put them together, you can put it on, like, it's a very important uh, thing that you have in your body. Salts, you have to have salt to exist. Um, and it makes all your food taste better. So aluminum salts, um, so there's things like aluminum hydroxide, so that's, and then there's uh, alum, and then there's aluminum phosphate, okay? There's these different aluminum, or alum also is in there. Um, what they do is they're called an adjuvant, which means it, it, it allows for a smaller dose of the actual pathogen or whatever you're, you're having in your vaccine, because these mix with the, the pathogen and they cause an immune response and allow, uh, they, they kind of present whatever's in the vaccine to the body and allow for the body to have a better response to it. So like I said, they can have a smaller dose of the actual pathogen. So that's what these aluminum salts are for. Um, they're extremely small doses. I mean, it's a vaccine, it's tiny, and um, they, they, they specifically use aluminum salts that do not cause adverse effects in the body. Um, so yeah, like, there's, there's no need to fear there, you're, you're not, uh, you're not gonna die, and you're not, you're more than likely you're not gonna have any adverse effects at all. The second one that people freak out about is, uh, antibiotics because you wouldn't want actual things growing in your uh you wouldn't want bacteria growing in your vaccine that'd probably be a bad thing and probably get more people sick so they put antibiotics in it it helps out so you don't have stuff growing in it uh there's sometimes egg proteins um for the influenza and yellow fever, they grow these viruses in eggs, like in chicken eggs. So th that's, that's how they produce a lot of it. And so sometimes some egg proteins make it into the vaccine. It's not a big deal. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, the, it's harmless. So another one that's in there is, uh, for, that you'll see is formaldehyde. And it's once again, very small doses. Your body actually produces formaldehyde uh, in certain chemical reactions. Um, this is not a large dose. Um, formaldehyde can be bad for your body in high doses. In this dose, it's, you know, it's not harming anything. And what it does is it's helping to inactivate some of the toxins in toxoids. And it's also an antiseptic. So it helps keep everything you know, clean so you're not getting infection from other things. Uh, other things in there. Uh, there's monosodium glutamate, MSG. You hear about that when you talk about Asian food. Little side note, MSG is in Asian food to... Uh, it, it it makes it taste better. It, it activates certain parts of your taste buds that are taste meat. So MSG 
makes it taste better. It's uh, has it's called Unami. Anyways, moving on. MSG is in vaccines as a stabilizer. It helps the vaccine when it's exposed to different light, heat, like different temperatures. It, it helps the vaccine stay stable so that it's the same vaccine. Like it's what's intended to be there. It's harmless. Like I said, you're legitimately eating it half the time. Actually, you're probably eating it all the time because MSG is in a ton of stuff. It's in a ton of natural foods. It's fine. Um, also, I, I forgot to mention with formaldehyde, almost all of the formaldehyde is removed from vaccines uh, when they're preparing it. It's just in there. Like They have to put it that it could be in there, but it's most likely not. And if it is, it's very, very trace amounts. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, 2-phenyl-oxyethanol, uh, also a stabilizer. It's very safe, but there's, in some cases, it, people can be allergic to it. Um, so I'm sure they probably use that as least often as possible. Okay, the final one, the big one, the one that everyone throws a fit about, thiomerosol. This uh, is an organic, uh, an organic molecule that contains mercury in it, and uh, they used to use it a lot more. They couldn't find, like, there there was no indication that it was bad. But I will say this now: uh, it's not in vaccines anymore. They don't use it. There's only one vaccine it's used in. It's used in the multi dose flu shot which uh hardly anyone is getting so uh it's not like they're giving it to babies or anything um and we're, we're gonna talk about this in a second but uh why people were freaking out about it is that it's mercury and they did what happens is thiamersol gets broken down in your body into ethyl mercury and originally it was thought that ethyl mercury so this is mercury with uh, a little carbon chain on it that it acts the same as methyl mercury they and methyl mercury uh, it mimics cysteine which is an amino acid in your body and so it gets taken all over your body and it bio, this is methylmercury, remember, gets taken all over your body and uh, it can really mess stuff up and it can bioaccumulate in your body. And for a long time, people thought that ethylmercury acted like methylmercury, which I don't know why. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about it in a minute. It doesn't. Ethylmercury, so much safer than methylmercury. Ethylmercury is safer than methylmercury. Ethyl mercury is what thimerosal gets broken down into. Anyways, uh, now let's say let's talk about this. In one of these shots, there's less than a microgram of uh, you're gonna get less than a microgram of mercury. Uh, now, a gram is about the weight of a poker chip. So take a poker chip. Divide that by a thousand. And take that thousandth of a poker chip and divide that by a thousand. And that's how much mercury would be in 
one of these multi-dose flu shots. So tiny amount. You're going to get more mercury eating a can of tuna, which people do all the time. I do it all the time. Uh, in you're going to get more, and those the mercury that you get from a tuna can is going to be methyl mercury, versus this is ethyl mercury, much safer in a vaccine. So now, uh, this was kind of used as it is a is an antibacterial. It like it helped keep the vaccine from growing stuff in it again. Now, uh, also, I, I love this one too. This is what thimerosal is still used in Ig prep. So, um, immuno immunoglobulin preps. It's used in tattoo inks. It's used in all sorts of other things, but people are only freaking out about vaccines. So, if you're an anti-vaxxer and you have a tattoo, you're an idiot. Because, well, and if you're an anti-vaxxer for the mercury thing in general. I mean, in general, if you're an anti-vaxxer, you're an idiot. Um, sorry, but you, you are. Um, so, let's take a little step back and let's look at the difference between methylmercury and ethylmercury okay so the difference between ethylmercury and methylmercury once again ethylmercury in thimerosal uh, the one that's in vaccine in in one of the vaccines I should say I'm gonna perpetuate just nonsense um, versus methylmercury what you're gonna be getting from the environment so methylmercury is what you're gonna be getting if you eat any kind of uh, fish, shrimp, bottom feeder, things like that. Any type of seafood is going to have mercury in it. Mercury you're going to get from um, pollution. You're going to get it from uh, volcanoes, things like like any. You're going to breathe that crap in, basically. And what they found is that uh, methylmercury can stay in your body. Like, its half-life is months, okay, uh, in your body. So that's the time it takes for half of this methylmercury to get out of your body. They found with ethylmercury, which you're only going to be getting from uh, this compound, this thiomerosal, uh, seven days. So your body can clear out uh, this ethylmercury so much faster. And uh, the ethylmercury... It, it's not mimicking the cysteine and people I hear all the time are like it's got to be the same there's only one it's like it's one carbon off so an ethyl means there's two carbons a methyl means there's one carbon so let's talk about the difference that one carbon can make let's take ethanol versus methanol methanol is methyl alcohol it will legitimately kill you in small doses will make you go blind uh, it's really nasty stuff you add one more carbon to it everyone across the world drinks it ethanol uh, alcohol it's in <laughs> it's what bacteria make when they you know ferment things 
It's what you drink in beer, vodka, whatever, ethanol. It's So you go from one that's a poison to one it's okay to drink uh, in small quantities. Um, so one, you know, one carbon makes a difference. Let's look at uh, water. You take water, you add one carbon to it, all of a sudden it's methanol and it's a poison. Something you need to live and survive, the only reason why life exists, to a poison with one with one carbon. Guys, one carbon makes a big difference. Just because they have similar formulas does not mean they're similar acting. Just get that into your head. Methyl group makes a big difference. So they have found so far they have found that ethyl mercury is totally safe, um, especially at the minute trace uh, quantities that you're going to be getting it at for vaccines, and your children are going to be getting it for vaccines. So it's it's pretty safe, guys, um, and it's not in in any of the vaccines you're going to be getting, so don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so, uh, I guess, uh, anti-vaxxers, you're going to have to think up something new, because your, uh, your stupid arguments don't hold up anymore. We took it out of it. Anyways, now, last thing I want to talk about before we get to, uh, some idiots, wackadoodles, conspiracy theorists, tinfoil hat wearing morons we are going to uh we're going to talk about the actual effectiveness of vaccines and the efficacy like how how well they work so um the effectiveness and efficacy of a vaccine depends on a lot of things in the average person it's going to act as it should and work very very well but there are certain things that can make it not work as well the older you get uh, vaccines don't work as well um, that's that's why they try to promote younger people to get vaccines so we can get what's called herd immunity for older people and for children that are too young to get uh, a vaccine so uh, I guess we should talk about herd immunity really fast Herd immunity, if everyone is vaccinated, uh, the less likely it is for a pathogen to reproduce. If I'm uh, vaccinated, I may get a, like, you know, a small infection that I don't even notice. My body kills all of the virus, and I don't ever, I'm never contagious, and I never pass it on. Whereas if I'm not vaccinated... I'm going to have an immune, uh, uh, an immune response, I'm going to get sick, and I'm going to be contagious for a little bit. Whereas if I'm vaccinated, I won't be contagious, I won't be passing it on. So that way, other people don't have to get sick if I'm vaccinated. I'm not passing it on. So herd immunity, if everybody around one person that's not vaccinated is vaccinated, that person that can't get the vaccination is still safe because other people around them are not reproducing the pathogen and giving them a higher likelihood of being sick. I hope that makes sense. So with age, 
you're not making cells as much as you are when you're younger and you're not making as many uh, memory cells as you are when you're younger. That's why old people get sick a lot. They, they aren't producing these B memory cells like they should be. Um, your, your immune system doesn't work as well when you're older. So age uh, plays into how well a vaccine works. If you have diabetes, it brings down the effectiveness of a vaccine. Um, let's see. If you're using steroids, it can uh, suppress your immune system. Okay. HIV, obviously, it's uh, a, a virus that attacks your immune system. So that won't make it so that you could actually get really sick. And there's also a few genetic uh, mutations in humans that make it so that they don't form antibodies. So they basically don't have an adaptive immune system. So those are the people that we need a herd immunity for. For those people that have some immune system problem. Okay. Um, and there's also not getting the vaccine in time to be effective. You'll see this all the time if you look through the anti-vaxxer especially around flu season you'll see this stupid stuff come up where people will be like well i got the flu vaccine and that was the sickest i'd been it's not because uh the flu you you didn't get sick from the flu shot what happened was you waited until flu season to get a flu shot you probably already got the flu when you got a vaccine, vaccines take days to to actually work. So you get a vaccine, your body, it takes days for the adaptive immune system to work. So if you got a vaccine and then went around a bunch of sick people, you're like, oh, I got a vaccine. You probably just got sick with the regular flu and your body didn't have time to make antibodies for it. So you got, you... That's, that's why people get sick around the time that they got the flu shot. Not because the flu shot didn't work. Well, I mean, it technically didn't. It didn't have time to work yet. Or not because they don't work, but because they got the flu before they got the shot. Or before the flu shot could work. So, uh, yeah, it takes time to build immunity to things. Um, so... Things that can affect the sorry efficacy of a vaccine. Um, the type of disease. Uh, there are certain types of pathogens that it's harder to make vaccines for. That's why we don't have vaccines for like herpes or things like that. The strain. Um, that there are certain strains that it's easier to make vaccines for for others. Certain strains of pathogens. Um, if you're not doing, if you're not taking, getting your vaccines when it's prescribed to do so, it can mess up. Like if you're not getting your boosters when it says to get your booster shots, it's going to mess up how well the vaccine works. Um, there's genetics and age, and then there's the idiosyncratic response that what I kind of mentioned earlier, where some people that just don't make antibodies. Um, so yeah, there, there's things like that, that affects it, how well vaccines work. Now, um, one more thing with the flu, 
the flu shot, I should say. Well, the flu as well. Um, some people still get the flu even though they had the vaccine. And even if they did everything right and got the vaccine, you know, way before they, uh, like, they got it in the right time of the year and everything, they still get the flu. The flu is particularly hard, and that's why it's a quadvalent um, strain. There's four different strains of the flu in there because it mutates very quickly. It's always changing its surface proteins, and that's why it's so common in humans because it's always changing its surface proteins and makes it really hard to vaccinate for. So um, every single year you got to get a new one. That's why you also have to get a new one every year is because it's always changing. It's always mutating. Um, but it's also one of the biggest killers in the world. So it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I, I, uh, I'd rather get a flu shot every year than die of the flu. Um, and millions and upon millions of people do die of the flu every year. Um, here's some numbers for you to talk about our flu, our vaccines actually effective. Measles, 1958. Uh, there was, in 1958, there was 763,094 cases in the United States. There was nearly 600 deaths of measles. That's a lot. Since the, uh, introduction of the measles vaccine, there's been an af an average of 50 cases. Um, that's like an exponential reduction, okay? 750,000 plus to 50 cases, okay? 2008, there, here we'll tell you how well vaccines work too. In 2008, there was 64 cases of measles in the United States. 63 of those 64 cases were people who were not vaccinated with for the measles. So, like, whatever six, whatever the fraction is that 63 divided by 64, whatever that is, you can figure it out yourself. Uh, you know, that's that's significant. Almost a hundred percent of the people that get measles aren't vaccinated for the measles. That's that's ridiculous. Okay. Last thing for effectiveness of vaccines, vaccines, especially for bacterial uh, infections, help with antibiotic, antibiotic resistance. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch, not go back, go back and listen to my antibiotic resistance uh, episode. Very important. Vaccines are amazing. So, guys, I hope I've kind of like made you realize why they're so important vaccines are one of the most if not the most important medical uh miracle that we have they they truly are a miracle so with that um like i said i hope i've convinced you vaccines are amazing they're safe freaking get them if you don't you're an idiot. I'm sorry. If you don't vaccinate your kids, you're an idiot and you're liable for their illnesses and, and whatever maladies come to them. That's just me saying, uh, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. Um, 
if I'm offending any of you that don't want to vaccinate your kids for some stupid reason, uh, I don't really care. I probably don't want you as a friend anyways. <laughs> so, sorry about that. Anyways, let's get into some idiots, which, let's, I'll be honest, if you're listening to this, you're probably not an anti-vaxxer. Um, those people don't listen to educational things anyways. So, um, let's get into some wackadoodles and dipshits of the day. Guys, it is one of my favorite parts to do this. The dipshits of the day, which is all anti-vaxxers. So we're going to talk about vaccine myths, vaccine conspiracies, vaccine controversy. I mean, we already kind of talked about that. Let's do this. I'm so stoked. Okay. Here's a, a few um, vaccine things we're going to talk about. First one, vaccines are population control. I actually had a uh, personal argument with someone over vaccines being population control. Um, a lot of them base it off... Uh, a lot of them base it off one speech that uh, Bill Gates gave where he talked about um, how we could talk work with climate change. And he talked about uh, vaccines being part of how we can help with climate change. And lots of people interpret it as vaccines are causing people to be sterile or causing people to... Uh, to die or whatever um, when all actuality um, doing some more research on it what Bill Gates is talking about it, it's found that when people are vaccinated um, they live longer and they don't have as many children uh, if you know anything about evolution one of the uh, evolutionary strategies of animals is you you increase your uh, genetic survivability. Basically, you're increasing your chances to pass on your DNA and pa and you have your children pass on their DNA if you have more children. So, because you might die or they might die. So, um, it, and it wastes resources in humans because, you know, we don't need to have that many children. So, uh population i mean we're I'm, it's not really controlling the population as much as it's allowing people to not have to have so many children by allowing them and their children to actually live full lives you know um so that's one thing another one is that vaccines cause autism this is the dead horse that all anti-vaxxers love I mean, you see it all the time, like, my kid was fine, and then I took him to the doctor, they got a vaccine, and now they have autism. That night, they had autism. Like, wow, you are an extremely unobservant parent if it's overnight that your child has autism. So, let's talk about autism a little bit. Um, number one, polio's way worse than autism. Um, autism, there's so many people that live normal lives with autism. Um, what it is, is a lot of times it's caused by 
a lack of neural pruning. So as you develop, there's neurons in your brain and there's all these different pathways. And the more you use some pathways, other ones, uh, they go through apoptosis that those, those neural pathways go away. So the ones that work really well and the ones that you use all the time, those are the ones that are working. Well, in autism, and it's called neural pruning, you're, you're pruning some of the neurons away so that some pathways are used better and more. Um, in autism, there's a lack of that. So that's why they, they get overstimulated because they have so many pathways going on at the same time. Um, that's, that's one cause of autism. I'll admit I haven't researched a ton into I and we don't exactly know all the reasons for autism but and I haven't researched it a ton but I know that's one of the main things that happens that it, through development there's a lack of neural pruning um and <laughs> I I honestly don't understand the link between vaccines and autism it's been proven time and time again that uh, through several, like hundreds and thousands of studies, that vaccines do not cause autism. So it just kills me when it keeps getting brought up. Um, people were saying that autism has, you know, the rates of it have gone just skyrocketed and it's ever since vaccines, which is not true. Um, but I will say this, uh, Autism was discovered around the same time that vaccines started to be popular, like started like started being used significantly. So uh, you're correlating when autism was discovered with a, a medicine that was started to be used, and that's ridiculous. Um, so all of a sudden, there's tons of cases ever since vaccines. No, it's ridiculous. There. There's a, there's, there is an increase in cases of autism, but if you look at why, it's because there's a greater awareness. So parents are aware that their kid has autism and they're starting to get treatment. Another reason is uh, that uh, the DSM or, or how they diagnose autism has changed and become more inclusive of uh, so it's like a spectrum now instead of like you have to have these and then you have it. No, it's it's more inclusive. You can be autistic and, and be on a spectrum. So not have all of the symptoms. So it's more inclusive. So that's creating a uh, a spike in it. So it, it's not because of vaccines. It's just because, you know, we're, we're understanding autism better and better all the time. And so more people were realizing have autism. Where before they would just say, oh, you're, you know, I mean, we're comparing it to a time when kids were just considered weird. You know, in the 1920s, they were, they were sterilizing people that they didn't, that they, they thought were weird. So, um, yeah, vaccines do not cause autism. Um, that, the, the idea came from one doctor, one doctor produced a paper that uh, said that vaccines were correlated with autism. And it was found that he lied, that he produced fraudulent data. So his data wasn't real. He made it up. 
or uh, or like exaggerated it so that it would say something. And he had all of his degrees stripped from him. He is no longer allowed to practice medicine because of because it was found out that he lied and he caused so many like I mean there's people now we're having measles outbreaks and all this stuff because of one more that dude I'm gonna stop this and look up his name real quick I'm back Andrew Wakefield that excuse my French that asshole that did it for his he did it for money and he did it for for fame and so yeah he got everything stripped from him he he has caused a lot i i hope that dude burns in hell <laughs> sorry but that's that's one guy that he deserves it um yeah i i hope people throw rocks at him when they see him so vaccines cause autism second one third one vaccines cause the illness they prevent i've kind of talked about this a little bit with the whole uh flu some people were saying that it that the vaccines cause hepatitis and caught like no that's how how we just talked about how these vaccines use some of them don't even use any of the pathogen at all they just have chunks of one protein that that you know that bacteria or whatever produces so how could that cause the illness that it's supposed to prevent you moron people that say that no they don't and that's that's what kills you when people say they got the flu from the flu shot no you didn't the, it's not it's not alive in there so you couldn't have got it you either got a different strain or you had it before you got the shot so don't give me that crap i'm gonna get mad i do i get mad when i talk about this subject There's just too many stupid people out there kills me Okay, um, another one that I saw, and this is, a lot of these are just from comments I saw on Facebook or on different articles I was researching. Um, vaccines cause our immune systems to go to sleep. So this lady was saying that the current generation is the most sickly generation there's ever been, and it's because of vaccines causing kids' immune systems to go to sleep. What? No. It strengthens your immune system. It, if anything, it's allowing, especially as a young child and uh, and an infant, it's allowing your immune system to practice doing its job and creating, you know, antibodies and memories to things that it's not, you know, so it can be prepared later to do it with a real pathogen. It's strengthening your immune system. It's getting to practice before it does the real thing. It's it's not causing your immune system to go to sleep. Um, that lady was an idiot. Um, what is causing kids to be sickly is the fact that uh, kids don't play outside anymore. Recess is limited nowadays. Like, like schools are screwing up. They won't let kids go outside and play. Hover parents aren't letting their kids get dirty. Where they, again, can their immune systems can practice. Okay, you gotta let your kids get dirty. You gotta let them eat dirt sometimes. Um, or whatever. So, like, and the overuse of antibiotics, overuse of hand sanitizer, things like that. Like, those things are all good, but they can be overused. And that's what's causing the current generation 
if it is, I don't know if it is or not, to be sickly. So, um, yeah. And that, that was also brought up, brought up in this next one. So, uh, also, I will say this. Google is doing an excellent job at hiding stupid people's videos and websites and things. Because it was actually really hard for me to find stupid, like, YouTube. I had to go to YouTube and search for vaccines bad or whatever. And I found this video that the title was the scary truth in all caps about vaccines satanic illuminati vaccines agenda exposed so now the introduction makes sense um so you know you know it's just going to be idiot gold when there's satanic illuminati in there or if anything ever says agenda exposed um you you know it's idiot gold so um Two things that were brought up in there is once again it said that uh, that this generation's the unhealthiest generation that's ever existed, which may be true, but it's not because of vaccines. It's because of inactivity and uh, and kids not going outside and playing anymore. I've already discussed that. Beat that one uh, to a dead horse. Beat beat that dead horse. I should say, um, and then. It was talking about how vaccines are causing, causing all pop, like everyone, everyone is digressing to autism and it's, it's causing just loads and loads of children to digress, to be autistic. And what's funny is that these people never realize that like autism is, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's uncommon, but it's not like every single child has autism. Um... But these va also what you have to understand about autism is that it's not you don't see it in infants. Okay, it's something that you see as the child develops because of that neural pruning pruning. Those neurons aren't aren't going away. So you'll you'll where they seem normal when they're an infant and stuff, as they get older you'll see that they're autistic. Um so there's no digression to autism and and kids that have autism there, there's no digression they just don't you know there's not a progression in certain things uh and they were what were they saying they I lost it sorry my notes are kind of hard to read I was riding on a train when I was uh trying to take these notes so but they were saying that autism is like one in four, which it is not. Um, according to WebMD, which overdiagnoses everything, if you have ever used WebMD, there's approximately 200,000 new cases of autism per year, um, with 4 million babies born each year in the United States. So th those are both United States numbers. Uh, so that doesn't add up. <laughs> you, you see, uh, yeah, it was a ridiculous video. Polio frequency, on the other hand, um, in 1952, there was 58,000 cases of polio. This is before the, the year before the vaccine came out. Um, 
50% of those 58,000 uh, were disabled, were, were permanently disabled because of polio. So that's what, uh, 29,000 people disabled by polio in 1952, and 3,200 of those 58,000 people died from polio. And this is a case that I've, I've seen made before, and I'll, I'll make it here as well. Even if, even if vaccines caused autism, I would much rather my child, and I have a child, so I can say this, I would much rather my child be autistic than to watch them get plugged into an iron lung or to watch them die of some, some extremely preventable disease. I would much rather... I will, I will take the chance of them being autistic over getting polio, the measles, mumps, diphtheria, any of those. I will take that. I mean, I would much rather my child have autism than develop uh, cervical cancer because of HPV. That's, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'd just rather that happen. Um, if that makes me a bad parent, then I'll, I'll cut you know, label me as a bad parent. Um, personally, I think if you don't vaccinate your kids, uh, I personally think you're a bad parent. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think you're, uh, I think you're dumb. And I, and I think that you should take a class. What kills me is when, uh, people that are supposed to be educated in certain things, uh, don't vaccinate their kids or whatever. Um, what kills me too is a lot of times the parents are vaccinated. The parents are vaccinated, but they don't vaccinate their children. I'm just like, because of modern medicine, you survived something that now you don't want your children to survive. What kind of messed up logic is that? Um, but yeah. So, in conclusion... Vaccines freaking work. Vaccine, like, if you have any shred of an idea of how our immune system works, you understand why vaccines are amazing and why they work. If you don't think vaccines work, you're probably a dipstick of the day. Um, there's no need to be concerned about the safety of the ingredients in a vaccine. They go through so many trials to get to be a vaccine. And yes, there are some people that cannot receive a vaccine. And that's okay. Let a doctor sort that out. You don't need to, you know, you, you're not a doctor. Unless you are a doctor and you're listening to this, then thanks for listening. Um, but, you know, I, I trust medical professionals. I trust PhDs much more than I trust holistic whatever mom that you know I don't need I don't need vaccines I'm gonna you know dip my kid in olive oil or you know whatever just whatever holistic thing there is out there you know I'm gonna make him listen to certain music and that'll protect him and there's really that stuff out there it's crazy anyways so, 
like I said, in conclusion, get freaking vaccinated. Vaccinate your damn children. Do it. Um, don't be an idiot of the internet. Don't be, you know, don't be dumb. Because uh, if you are, you, I mean, your you probably your children won't survive probably that long. Anyways, we don't have to worry about it. But you know, if you want your kids to survive, vaccinate them. Let's not let's not let measles and all these different diseases we've eradicated to come back because of the stupidity of some people. So, um, yeah, let's. I I don't know what. Next week's is Keto Part 2 is coming out soon. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to make this a lot more, uh, make this happen a lot more than I have been. And I apologize again for that. Um, another note, I hope this sounds good. I got another new mic. So uh, I borrowed that, that one mic from the Vata crew. Um, and I got a new one for Christmas. So. I hope it sounds good, but once again, let me know what you think, uh, any questions, comments you have, send them to carpoolchemistry at gmail.com, um, and yeah, uh, let me know, have a good one, we'll see you next time.